It's hard to imagine a time where we couldn't window shop and look through shop front glass windows to see those mannequins dressed neatly in the latest spring, summer or winter outfits, beckoning us to go in, to try those clothes on and make a purchase. Retail Contribution Fact File Mannequins were and remain central to the art of visual merchandising. Used effectively, their presence improves the overall image of a store, outside and in. They continue to be used in ever more impactful ways by the world's most sophisticated retailers, attracting the eye of the passer-by and helping to promote impulse purchasing and define the character of a store. The use of mannequins originated in the 15th century when miniature milliners' mannequins were used to demonstrate fashions for customers. But it wasn't until the 1880s when plate glass window panes began to be installed in shop windows and streets began to be lit at night with gas lamps that retailers began to place them in their shop fronts. Sewing machine technology was improving too, allowing ready-to-wear clothes to be mass-produced. The middle class of the new Industrial Revolution increased the potential market for retailers. Remember, up till then, only royalty and the landed gentry could afford to wear fashionable clothes. Mannequins, the word mannequin, is Dutch and means little men, have been around for many centuries, but restricted to court dressmakers or tailors. It allowed them to tailor clothes to the kings and queens they dressed, and to ensure it fitted perfectly to their particular body shape. In the late 17th century, these would have been made from wicker work, and by 1835, wireframe versions were on display. Our shop-fronted mannequins were made from wax, wood or heavy fabric. They had iron feet because they needed to stay straight and upright. Paper mache and sawdust were used to give them better, more realistic shapes, and they often reflected the ideal beauty and had full bosoms. They were also expensive. By the turn of the century, mannequins had given birth to a new industry window trimmings, which became known as visual merchandising. Our window trimmers got more and more artistic. Their mannequins developed facial expressions, glass eyes and, believe it or not, real hair. After the First World War, women's dress changed and the mannequins changed with them, becoming a more realistic, simpler body shape. Then came a remarkable change. A New York soap sculptor, Lester Gabber, produced six plaster Gabber Girls mannequins on request from a large department store. They even had names, and at the party to unveil them, they were dressed in jewels and the very best clothes of the time. Gabber took one sitting mannequin called Cynthia with him wherever he went. She sat with her elbow on her knee, cigarette in hand, and travelled by taxi with Lester. She even came to the opera with him and sat in his box. You couldn't think up a PR campaign like that today. During the Second World War, the mannequins began to look drab 
reflecting, rationing at the time, but by the late 1940s, they became happier again. They wore smiles. Male mannequins had a hole drilled in their lips for inserting pipes. The 50s and 60s saw mannequins made in new materials, fibreglass and plastic. For designers, the sky is now the limit, and the mannequins can be made to retailers' own specifications depending on what they want their mannequins to be. Taking a mannequin for a ride in a taxi, now there's a thought. It will probably get me arrested.